Wealth, money, wealth. I won't just say wealth, it's not money, but wealth makes many friends. Now, do you think God's going to tell you something that's not true? Of course not. So we know that wealth doesn't make real friends, amen? So what wealth would he be talking about? That's why when you're reading and studying the book, you've got to, got to look deeper, amen? Brian, could you turn me down a hair a bit? I'm really loud, just a hair. But when it says wealth, that means real wealth, not money. Wealth. What is wealth? Wealth is something that makes you rich. Something that makes you, like, because just money isn't richness. You can be rich in love, amen? You can be rich in wisdom. We can be rich in understanding. So when you're talking about God's wealth, what God has, what makes God wealthy is he knows everything. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge makes God very wealthy. Amen. Bible says that wisdom is better than rubies. Bible says that understanding is better than gold and silver and anything you could ever, anything you could ever desire, wisdom and understanding is better than that. So we know that when you're, look, when you're reading the book of Proverbs and you read something like this, wealth. Immediately your mind goes to money. It's not because you know money doesn't make real friends. You'll get all the friends. You hit the, the lotto, you're going to have all kinds of friends. Hey, buddy, you know, how you doing? They're not real friends, are they? And it goes on to say, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. So we know he's not talking about poor in money. He's talking about poor in the opposite of the wealth that we just talked about. Poor in the things of God. Poor in understanding. Poor in spiritual matters. Poor in, in knowledge of God. And we have a poverty going on in our churches that it should never be because our God is rich. Amen. He is rich in wealth and knowledge and understanding. He is rich in mercy. Can I get an amen? amen. He is so rich in forgiveness and mercy and grace that no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, his mercy endures forever. And he is so rich in it that he'll forgive you immediately. God's so good. He never runs out of goodness. Amen. He never runs out of mercy. And he never runs out of kindness. And he never runs out of love. Can someone say thank you, Jesus, for that? Thank you, Jesus. That's wealth. Do you understand? So real wealth makes real friends. But poverty, being poor, it literally separates you from your neighbor. Mean you cannot help them. How many times have you been in a situation, you wanted to help somebody, but you didn't have any money? How can you help them? I don't, they don't need money. I don't, I, they need money. I don't have any. I wish I did. And how many times have I heard people say, Joe, if I hit the lottery, Pastor, I'm going to give this money to the church. Yeah, that's right. Sure. If they hit the lottery, you never see them again. That's the truth. But the poor separated from his neighbor. With that said, Luke chapter 10. I want you to, when you're reading your Proverbs, I... I Love the book of Proverbs. It's one of my favorite books in all the Bible because I keep continually getting more and more knowledge from it. More and more knowledge. Every time I read it, there are 31 Proverbs, one for each day of the week. So you have a Bible reading study right there. Looking in chapter 10. Are you there with me? Amen. Looking in verse 30. It says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now we're going to stop because what is he answering this certain, what is he answering? Who is he answering? He's answering a lawyer that thought that he could trick him or say to him, you see that in verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up to tempt them saying, master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns it around on him and says, what's written in the law? How do you read the Bible? And that's a good question. How do you read it? 
And, and, and some people could read the same thing and get different things from it. But what you need to do, Tony, is you need to read it with a spiritual mind and a spiritual heart. Because this book was written by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's why when the Bible says those that worship God, it's a must. Worship Him in what? Spirit and in truth. So this book, Jesus said in John six sixty three, He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So we know that the word of God is spiritual. Amen. So when he says, how do you read it? And he said this. He said, and answering said, thou shalt love the Lord your God, thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. So we know that the lawyer, of course, the man of law, knows what the Bible says. Amen. He knows the verse to quote. But Jesus said, that's the right thing. Do it. Right? And then so because he didn't want to just stop there, he goes on to say this. Um, and But he willing to justify himself. That's what everyone's trying to do. They try to make themselves justify themselves. He said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to say, verse 30, Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him. Now I want to stop and look at each word, not each word, but we look at a certain man. That means it's actually a real person. When he says a certain man, that means a real person. But where was he? He, he was in Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the city of God. Jerusalem is, the, is the, 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 the city of God. That means that this man was walking with God. He was in the right place. Amen. He's in, where are we going to end up and spend all eternity? In New Jerusalem. Amen. It's the city of God. And that's where you're supposed to be. So looking at this spiritually, this man was in the right place and he was doing the right things. But what did he do? He left there and he went down. Whenever there's down, it's never good. You should, we should be going up, amen, not down. We should be going forward, not backwards. So I just want you to realize when he goes down, but where does he go? He goes to Jericho. And now what does God mean by Jerusalem to Jericho? Would you please read that, that verse, Miss Marion, please? Joshua 6, Joshua 26. 6, 26. And Joshua adjourned them at the time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth the city of Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. Jericho is a cursed city. Jer uh, Jer uh, Joshua cursed it. So when you're looking at this scripture, you can just read it and never see the real meanings in there. And there's even more than this meaning. I'm just letting you see some things. So we have, Jer we have Jerusalem going down to Jericho. That means, that means a man, person leaving where God wanted him to be and going down to a cursed place. You know, there's a lot of places that Christians should never go. There's a lot of cursed places. Bars are cursed places. You know, places like that, you should never go. And so when, he leave, when you leave God's place, you go to a, a cursed place. And like I said, Christians should never go to a cursed places. So what happened is, is look in the next verse. It says, and he fell among thieves. So look what we have, the next word, fell. See, it's never good to fall when it comes in the Bible. The Bible says a righteous man falleth seven times. That means he can fall completely on his face, but what's he going to do? He's going to rise up again. But this man here, he falls and he falls among thieves. 
What does the Bible say that are thieves? Uh, Brother Billy, go ahead. it more abundantly. So he tells us, Jesus said, the thief is the devil. So here we have a man that leaves where he should be in, in Jerusalem. He goes down into a cursed place in Jericho where he should never have been. He falls with the devil. The devil gets a hold of him. Amen? You ever known anybody where the devil gets a hold of them? Absolutely. You need to know this is real. Amen? This is some, some serious stuff that the devil's talking about. I mean, I'm sorry, that Jesus is talking about the devil's out there. He's the thief. What does the thief come to do? To rob, to kill, and to destroy. And here we have this man who, is, who fell among thieves, and they stripped him of his raiment. What is a raiment in the Bible? Who's got Revelation 3, 5? Tony? He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. White ra- the raiment of God is the righteousness of the saints. The righteousness of God. This means this man was righteous. He was with God. He was walking with God. But he went down. He went to a place he shouldn't be. He started hanging with the wrong crowd. Started doing the wrong things. The devil got a hold of him and ripped him off. Took his righteousness from him. Drove the job. Read that. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For fine linen is the righteousness of saints. See that? That's what, that's what he got stripped from. He got stripped from his righteousness. That don't happen what the devil will do. He'll make you from a righteous man into an unrighteous man. He'll take the good that God has given you. He'll take the good that God has done in you. Do you know how easy it is to ruin your testimony? Do you know how easy it is? You know how hard it is to get one? You know how hard it is to build up a reputation that you're a good dude? I'm sorry, I was going to say good man, good woman. You know how hard it is to, to, to build up your credit, even your credit? My wife and I have been trying to build our credit up. And we've paid every bill. We don't owe anything. And there's something that, sorry. We've been, we paid our bills. We don't owe anything. We do everything and we can't get our credit out. Just, but you, you miss one little payment or you get a little late. My credit went down 65 points for no reason. 65! I finally got it up in the 700s. I'm like, yes, finally. Woohoo! And next thing I know, your credit went down 65. I'm like, what did I do? And all I did was use my credit card and didn't pay it off. I mean, I did pay. I always, I've never been late. But I, I, it says you utilize too much. Like, what? So I paid it off. Guess what? How much it went up? 23. So it went down 65, but only went up 20. It's so hard to build up. And it's hard to get your righteousness. Amen? But it's so easy to lose it. Because the devil will strip you of it like that. So just remember these things, because they'll help you in your life. It, you know, and it's true. And as it is, there, there, I forget the story about the... About the um, the warlock or the pagan or whoever he was, and, and, and uh, he, he died and there was a tombstone and it was something about, you know, no one will ever remember the thousand things I did right. They're only going to remember the thing I did wrong. And that's the way it is. No, you could do a thousand things right and uh, that's good. That's good. You do one thing wrong and no one will ever forget it. 
And, and that's what the devil knows. And he's trying, you, sh- you just don't go into cursed places because this is what will happen. Amen. Amen. And you're going to fall among thieves, the thieves of the devil, because he wants to rob you of the good things that God's done for you. Amen. And it says that not only did they rob him, but they stripped him of his raiment and they wounded him. Now the wounds are not talking about physical wounds because a physical wound will heal. You know what's the worst thing? is a spiritual wound. You get wounded in your spirit. You get wounded in your heart. I'd rather get sliced with a knife. I've had my ear cut off. I've had stitches up more than you can imagine. I've been cut. I've had, and it all heals. But when you have a wounded spirit or a wounded heart, that thing doesn't heal very easy, does it, Heather? It doesn't. And that's what he's talking about. Look, who's got the next verse, please? Proverbs seven twenty six. Proverbs seven twenty six. For she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Talking about the thieves, her meaning a, 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 the spirit of, of evil, okay? An evil spirit was, ha, has cast down and wounded many people, even the strongest of them. So he said many strong men. Heather, if you would read Proverbs 18, verse 14, please. Will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Who can bear a wounded spirit? Here we have a man of God walking with God, doing everything right. And in a moment of, or a time of weakness, he did something and he went somewhere he shouldn't be. Can I get an amen? And doing down there, he's in a cursed place and the devils get a hold of him and they rob him and they wound him. You know what the devils will do? Listen to me. What the devil will make sure is that when a righteous man, when a Christian man or woman does something wrong, the devil's going to make sure everyone knows about it because he wants to destroy your testimony more than anything else. And that's exactly what he does. He wounded him. He, it says, departed and leaving him half dead. You know about that half dead thing, and I'm going quickly. I, I very, very light summary. I, I, I have in-depth in this, but I'm not going in there tonight. But the thing is, he, the devil can't kill you. He cannot kill you. He can wound you. Amen? And what he'll do is he'll leave you, what? Half dead. And what's happening is, is people, we have half dead people all over the place. They, they look all right on the inside, but in, on the outside, but inside they're half dead. They don't have the joy of the Lord. They cry. They're sad. People don't know it. They, they try to put on a happy face, but inside they're wounded and they're hurting. And this is happening all over the place. It says in verse 31 of Luke chapter 10, And by chance, see these words aren't here by chance. These words are here put on purpose. By chance, that means that there came down a certain priest that way. That means this priest just happened to be there, not by choice. And it says that when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He sees the man that's been uh, afflicted. He sees the man that's been wounded. He sees him laying by the side of the road, half dead, stripped. And he comes up to him, looks at him, and he goes around on the other side. That's what it says. But the poor is separated from his neighbor. Here we know the story here was going to unfold. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. And Jesus said, do this. And he said, yeah, well, who's my neighbor? Who do I do it to? And Jesus gives us this illustration. And here, a priest who's supposed to be the one and the, the main one to take care of people. 
the main one to be able to help. But this priest was poor. This priest was spiritually poor. This priest could not help him. I'm not even saying this priest didn't want to help him. I'm saying he couldn't help him because the poor is separated from his neighbor. You hear what I'm saying? So he comes to him and he doesn't know how to help him. And because he doesn't know how to help him, he just goes around on the other side of him. Amen? In Proverbs, in Proverbs 19.4, as we've already read, it says, Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. So this priest, even though he's got a title of a priest, he's spiritually poor. I've met many, many a, a religious folk that don't have any spirituality. I met many a religious person, priests and, and others, pastors and reverends, and they do not know scripture they, they might, and I'll be honest with you, if, you, if, if you're a, in a church and they're reading out of the NIV, I'm telling you right now, they don't know scripture. If you're in a church and they're reading out of some other Bible other than the King James Bible, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. The reason they're not using is because they don't even believe the Bible's inspired. And if you don't believe the Bible's inspired, the Bible knows you don't believe it's inspired and you're not going to get the spiritual things. Does that make sense to anyone? Anyway, so it, he passes by on the other side. Look at, in verse 32. And likewise, a Levite. Who knows what Levites are? Who knows? Go ahead, Joe. They, they are the... Go ahead, Brian. That is all true. Yep. They were the workers. They were the workers in the church, in the temple. Amen. They were the ones that did all the work. So these are, these are real men of God. Just say, okay? Well, look what, it, what happens. It says, and likewise, a Levite, a man of God, he, when he was at the place, it says when he was there. That means he, he is, was not just by chance there. When he, he like came, and it says, and he looked on him. He looked right at him, Tony. Looked on him. And he passed by on the other side. Why do you think that? You think the Levite was mean? You think the Levite was evil? No, he, had not, he didn't know how to help him. He was poor. The poor is separated from your neighbor. If the law of God says to love your neighbor as yourself, and the man of God and the priests of God come and they don't have anything, they don't know how to help, what do they do? They go around the other side. This happens every single day in America. And around the world, but in America too. We'll keep reading. It says in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, who knows who a Samaritan is? Anybody? Brian, I know you. Tony? A, good a what? A person to help someone else? No. Do you know what a Samaritan is, Billy? Who's talking to a person of what? A person of color. No. I don't know. Uh-uh. Brian? Correct. Uh, what were you going to say, Kira? God, just what he said? They were from Samaria, which is northern Israel, which is where the, the Samaritans, they worshipped the golden calf. You remember that? The ten tribes of Israel. And the Jewish, the Jews, the Jewish people, they hated their guts. They, when, the, when the north wind would blow 
And uh, they would say they'd have to go in and change their clothes in case some dust from Samaria blew on them. They hated them with a passion. They thought they were wicked as wicked can be. They were so prejudiced. You talk about being prejudiced, amen? They were so prejudiced about the, the Samaritans that the Jews would walk 27 miles out of their way not to step a foot in Samaria. The hatred was, you wouldn't believe it. So Jesus uses them and says... A Samaritan, because he's talking to a lawyer. Remember that? A Jewish lawyer. Yes, Joseph. Did uh, Jesus go to uh, yes, he did. He certainly did. He certainly did. And what he said, the only place somebody said, I must needs go to Samaria. He went there on purpose. You know why? Because he said, I am come for the lost sheep of Israel. Amen. And the Jewish people, the, well, the Jews in Judea, they wouldn't have anything to do. That's why when Jesus went to Jacob's well and he asked the woman for some water, he, she said, what are you doing asking me for water? Jews don't have any dealings with us. And so the whole story begins. So Jesus said, there was a Samaritan. Now he says this on purpose because he's reaching to that lawyer and those Pharisees that are around of the hatred that they have for them. Here the priest comes, he walks on the other way. The Levite comes, can't get any holier in these guys. They walk, but a Samaritan comes. I'll tell you right now, I am a Samaritan. They represent, they represent the rest of the world. They represent, they represent the worst of the worst. They represent the sinners. I, I am one of them. Amen. And he says, so look what he says. He says, so some certain Samaritan... As he journeyed, I want you to notice that word journey. You know what that means? You know what that implies? That means he left his house on purpose. When he left in the morning, you know what he did, Joe? He got some gospel tracks. And he, he, he got some gospel tracks. He loaded up himself. He said, I'm going out today. I hope I can find someone that I can give the gospel to. He went out on prayer. He journeyed. It was his journey. The other one, by chance, just showed up. The other one, when he was there, he didn't, they didn't have a purpose. This man left his house on purpose. He had a purpose. I can relate. You know why? A little story. It was back in 2000. And I was uh, just a beginning in the ministry. But because my wife was divorced, my pastors and the pastors in the church, uh, this is way before we were saved, the pastors in the church uh, said that I couldn't be in the ministry because my wife was divorced. And so I just, I, I still loved them and we were close, we were friends. I just said, okay. But I knew that isn't what the Bible taught. So I just did what God told me to do. And I remember feeling down one day, and I was praying, Joe. And I'm in my house, and I'm a roofer, right? I had my own roofing business. And I was talking to God, and I was pouring out my spirit. And I'm like, Lord, I'm a roofer, right? I, I want to be in the ministry. And I'm like, I, I want to be able to help people. I want to do something right. I want, to, I want to help people. And when I left the house that day, I went to visit my mom. And I really meant it when I said, I want to be used by you. I want to help. And so I went to see my mom in Glen Old, and I got that done visiting my mom. I drove down Chester Pike, and within minutes, I saw billows of smoke coming up. And i driving down McDade, and I see this building on fire. And, I, and it's my insurance company, right? And so Allstate. So I, I pull over, and I run to, to, the, to the building. 
and thinking, oh, maybe my, maybe there's someone trapped in there. And so as I'm running, there's tons of people all outside, like in a horseshoe around it, saying something like, he's in there, he's in there. So I immediately just ran in, and the billows of smoke, you couldn't see, you couldn't breathe. And as I'm going in, you can't see anything, I am just kept on going and going. Finally, I come to like in the center of the building, and I see flames and fire. And what I see in there is a van, a white van. It's inside the building, and there's flames all over the van. And inside the van was a man passed out at the driver's seat, and flames all over the, the uh, dashboard and flames all the way around in the back. He was carrying 10,000 pounds of paper. Here, unbeknownst to me, when I went in there, I didn't see on the other side of the building that he was coming down McDade Boulevard and he had a seizure and he went and his foot went on the gas and he flew into the gas station and he blew up the pumps, flew in the air in, on flames of fire and crashed through the building. So he's in there, inside the building's all on fire. And I go in there and I see him. And, and I go and I try to get the door open. The door won't open. And his window was down. And I tried to get him out. And I climbed up through the, in the window. And I'm pulling him. But he had a big fat beer belly. So that'll teach you guys that have beer bellies. And, that, and his beer belly kept hitting the, where the steering wheel is. I couldn't get him up. And finally, someone else came in and helped me get him out. And I got him out. And that day, I saved someone's life. And that's, and that's where God showed me, said, see, Mike, because I wanted to help, I left my house on purpose. I went out on purpose to help somebody. If you don't leave your house on purpose, guess what? Just by chance, you're going to be somewhere and you won't be able to help anybody. You're going to be someplace and you're going to see someone in need and you won't be able to help them because you're unprepared. That's why you should always leave the house prepared. Put gospel tracts in your pocket. Put gospel tracts saying and pray, God. Maybe, maybe I can find someone that needs Jesus today because everyone does. Maybe, and leave your house and go on a journey, amen, and, and do it on purpose. Not just by chance happen to show up and can't help. Pray and seek God's face and God use me. Lord, I'm just, you know, a, a carpet layer. I'm just a tent maker. I'm just a homemaker. I'm just a roofer. I'm just, can you use me? If you leave your house on purpose, God will use you. I got the Carnegie, Carnegie Hero Award for that. Amen. My name's on the registry of heroes. Dun, 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 dun. Who would have ever guessed, amen, that that day I was thinking, I'm a roofer. What good am I, right? <laughs> or my point to all that, here we, we look back down. It says a certain Sumerian as he journeyed. We have to go on a journey. Each day you leave the house, remember you're on a journey for God. You're on a journey to do something good for somebody. And it says, and when, and when he came, what did he do? He came, where did he come? Where he was. We got to go to where they are. We got to go to where people are and where they need you. And it says, and when he saw them, he had compassion on him. The next verse, I believe, is Matthew 18, 23 to 35. Would you please read that? Therefore, it, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one, of, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him of the debt. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And 
And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told their Lord all that was done. And his Lord, after he after that he had called him, and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all of that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And the Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you, if ye not from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. Amen. Now she, re- she re- spoke it really fast. So you might not get it, but the story is a certain, a certain rich man, king, had a, had a servant that owed him 10,000 talents. That's like a million dollars. And so he, he says, okay, you owe me. Give me the money. And the guy says, oh, God, oh, Lord, please have mercy on me. I don't have it. But if you give me time and patience, I'll, I'll get it paid back. I'll do, I'll do my best. And, the, and the, the, the Lord had mercy on him, compassion on him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to forgive you the whole debt. I'm going to forgive you the whole million dollars, right? Amen. And the guy went, this is amazing. And he's happy and he's crying. Then he goes out and he sees a guy that owes him 10 bucks. And he grabs him by the throat. And he puts him up against the wall and says, give me the money that you owe me. And the guy says, please, have mercy on me. Have compassion. If you just give me some time, I'll get it. He goes, no, you don't have no time. I gave you enough time. So he throws him in prison. And then people are watching. And then other people, they saw what that he just got... He just got forgiven a million dollars. And he said, that guy, then he did this. So he told the Lord, the Lord now the, the master was really mad. And he brings him in. He says, I, you asked me. I gave you compassion. And, and I forgave you everything. Then the first thing you do, you go out and you don't, you don't have compassion on someone else. You know, what he said, you know what he says? Let me read it to you what it says. Um, in uh, 1835, in 34, Jesus said, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him into the tormentors. Till he should pay that was due unto him. Look what it says. Jesus said, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also to you. If you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Whoa, some serious stuff right there. Likewise, Jesus said, my father do to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven everything. I've been given much mercy and much grace. I don't deserve to be forgiven like God has forgiven me. And that humbles me and it, and it keeps me in a, in a right frame of mind knowing that I'm not better than anybody. Amen. Knowing that if, I, if not for the grace of God, I would be that man that was laying half dead. If not for the grace of God, I'd be in that man in the prison. If not for the grace of God, I'd be the drug addict, the crack addict. I would be, if not for the grace of God. Amen. So when I meet someone like that, I can immediately have compassion on them because I know what God has forgiven me. But you know darn right, as I do, there's so many people that look down and they think they're better than. And they, why would I help him? Why should I do that? And here we have a man in the story. It says he had compassion on him because he left his house on purpose. He journeyed and look what he did. We're back in the story in chapter 10. It says, and he went to him and he bound up his wounds. That's the first thing we need to do. Stop the bleeding in someone's life. How do you stop the bleeding? I'll tell you right now. He says, pouring in oil and wine. What is oil and wine in the Bible? I've searched this out because I want to know. Oil is the Holy Spirit. 
What is wine in the Bible? If you want to learn and, and, and be a student of the Bible, when you, when you look what wine is, wine, uh, wine is used for special occasions. Wine is, what is the first miracle Jesus did? He turned water into wine. Let's go to the first that's mentioned. And what is water in the Bible? Water is the, the word of God, right? It's cleansing. But the problem is that so many people have the word of God, but it means nothing to them. Wine is understanding what's going on in the word of God. And you can take the word of God and give it to someone. Let them know what's going on. Because this man got, he, he's left by the side of the road. He's, he, everything's gone. He's ripped off. He's half dead. And someone needs to tell him, the devil did this to you. Someone needs to tell them that the devil robbed you. It wasn't God. It wasn't your family. The devil did this to you. And God still loves you. And I'm here for you. And you can, you're going to be okay. They have to stop the bleeding. You've got to stop the wound. Amen? And then pouring in oil and pouring in wine, letting people know that you love them, letting them know the, the spirit of God, the spirit of love and, and peace, and letting them know that it's going to be okay. And God loves you, and I love you, and I'm here for you. God sent me. I'm on my, I asked God to let me meet somebody, and here I'm meeting you. And let, give them hope. Give them the spirit, and then tell them the understanding that the reason this happened to you is because the devil. Because he's real, and that's what he's in. So stop the bleeding. Pour in the oil. Pour in the wine, and look what happens. And let me hurry up and finish. He says he bound up his wounds telling him the truth, pouring in oil, the, spirit, the Holy Spirit of love and the wine, understanding. And he set him on his own beast and he brought him to the inn and he took care of him. You know, that would, that's like this. I've heard people in my church, in our church, many times say, I don't want to pick anyone up, bring them to church. And I'm like, that's the greatest gift. I have a car. I remember when I had, when my wife and I, uh, we've always been very not meant much means so when we got a used car remember the lhs we got a chrysler lhs i love that car it was nice and i i felt like a rich person when i got that car it was a used car and i remember we got it and i remember praying over it, joe and saying lord you let me have this car i'll use it for anything you want i this car is to be used for you and i said and i couldn't wait to go pick people up for church you know what i mean so he says put them on their own beast use your own vehicle go visit them take them to the hospital Take him to church, amen? Because he brought him to the inn. The inn is the church. And what he did is, but I know people that say, they'll come in, no, I'm just saying, you guys do it all the time. Tony, I met a guy, you know, I gave him a gospel track, blah, blah, blah. You know what you need to do is, hey, you need a ride to church? I'll come to your house. Do you need a ride? Can I pick you up? Can I take you to the hospital? Like, we, we want, I'll pray for you. You know what I mean? That's it. You know, they, this person spent his own time Spend his own money. Spend his own... I've had at least two dozen people come to me and say, Pastor, there's a guy and I met. I'm like, that's great. Uh, I was wondering if you can, if the church can, if the church can give him some money for, you know what I mean? If the church can, I'm like, why can't you? Why does the church have to do it? And that's what he's saying is people are willing to bring them to church if the church will pick them up. You know, Pastor, can you send Brian to go pick him up? We should say, I'm leaving my house on purpose. If I can pick someone up and bring them to church, hallelujah. That like, woo, glory, I brought someone to church. 
If I can bring someone to church, oh my goodness, it's the greatest thing. In, in Freedom Baptist Church, I used to be the, the van driver, and I'd pick up all the old ladies. Nobody wanted the job. I loved it. Going up to their house, you know, hey, Mrs. Ritz, and hey, Mrs. And I'd get them and bring them in, and they're like, oh, my brother Mike, you're so nice. And I'm like, no, you're all, and I'll tell you, I loved it. We'd pull up, and eight, nine ladies come out of the church, and I just felt good. And, but yet there's people who won't even bring someone to church. I've had it so many times, just being honest with you. I'd say, listen, there's somebody in Clifton. Can you pick them up? No, that's out of my way. Brian, can you go pick them up? Yeah, I'll pick them up. Brian went to, Brian was pick, going to pick up Steve today. Steve was in where? Broomall? I'm just, Havertown from Fallcroft. You know how far away that is? I said, it's really far. He goes, that's all right. It's all. And then he's coming back to pick up, he was going to pick up Connor. And then he's coming back to pick up Ramona. And then he's coming back to going all the way to Tinicum to pick up uh, Ethan and Elizabeth. And then he's coming out. You know what I mean? It's like, that's probably never one time he's complained about it. Never once. The only time he complained about it was when Ramona was being a real pain in the neck. He's like, she's driving me nuts, Pastor. <laughs> my, my point is, is that we should all be like that. I'll pick him up. I'll pick him up. You know what I mean? What happened to us? And that's what he's saying right here. This guy, so he, look what it says. Let me finish. He said in verse 34, he, he went to him. We got to go to them. He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He set him on his own beast, put him in his own car. He brought him to the inn, brought him to church. And he what? Took care of him. If we would invest, invest in people, people in need, not dump them off on the church. Not dump them off on someone else. You take the responsibility, but people are too lazy. And the reason people don't do it is the same reason the priest and the Levite did, because they're spiritually poor. They don't have what it takes to help somebody. Can I get an amen? And then we'll finish up because time's out. And he says on verse 35, and on the morrow, the next day, that doesn't mean once does it, Tone means the next day, check up on them. Make sure they're okay. When he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to them, take care of them. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Wow, I mean, think about it, right? And then it goes on, Jesus said, which now of these three do you think, Mr. Lawyer, was neighbor unto them that, unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then Jesus said unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. And that's what God tells us to do. Go, and love one another. Go, and care for one another. And it's so easy to just care about your own. It's so easy to only care about your own family. I'm here to tell you, there's a lot to learn in this little message. There's a lot to learn. He had compassion on him. He, he went to him, and he bound up. That they stop the bleeding, amen? Oil and wine, spirit and understanding. Because what happens is, is so many people, they just don't know why this happened to me. And because of that, they get bitter because they don't understand why this happened to me. I'll tell you why. Because you went down into the bar and the devil, that's where the devil's going to get you. You started smoking dope. You started doing, you know what I mean? Like you're doing things you ought not do. You're going to the cursed places. And it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. This is where the evil's at. Why, what do you expect? If we've, I'll tell you what, I'd rather walk in at, at midnight in Jerusalem than go to, West, to go to Philadelphia during the day. 
Jerusalem's a safe place. I've been there twice, right, honey? And it's funny, you see that there's uh, soldiers with M16s around their shoulders walking around. Out there, and I, don't, I feel safe when I see them with guns around. Amen? I'm just saying it's pretty sad that in Philadelphia how bad it is. And uh, that's all I wanted to get. I just wanted to give you something where when you're reading like Proverbs 19.4, wealth makes many friends. Of course God's not saying if you've got a lot of money, you'll have a lot of friends. You know that it's not true. He says, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Does Jesus saying that poor people are bad? Of course not. He's talking spiritually, amen? So when you're reading the Bible, you need to look spiritually. You need to look deeper. You need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and see what God's doing. By what? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, as it says in First and Second Corinthians, First Corinthians 2. Uh, comparing scripture with scripture, spiritual things with spiritual, and we learn and we grow, and that's how we know, amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, gracious, wonderful, kind, merciful, loving Father, I thank you for the mercy and the compassion that you showed on each and every one of us. All of us deserve to be in hell. All of us deserve to die. All of us deserve to be judged. All of us deserve to be rejected by you. All of us deserve to be in hell, in torment, in flames forever and ever and ever for the rebellion and the wickedness that we've done. But you had compassion on us. You forgave us. Through the blood, through the sacrifice of your own son Jesus, through him our debt is paid. Through him you give us mercy and grace. Through him you give unto us your spirit. You pour in your spirit upon us. The oil unto us, Lord God, you give us the wine of God, the Holy Spirit, understanding. You turn this water into wine. You make it special. You make it flavorful. You make it so good. Thank you for the word of God, Lord God. I just pray, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Help us to learn more. Help us to not stay the same, but to grow. Help us to be like this this Samaritan and leave our homes on purpose, to have a journey, to know that we want to be used by you, that there's people out there, Lord God, I'll never forget when you told me, Jesus, the one day when I was reading this many years ago, and I read this and I said, who would ever do that? Just see someone laying there half dead and walk around them. And God said, you do it all the time, Michael. And I said, what? And God showed me my neighbors in my cul-de-sac. And he showed me how each and every one of them are lost and they're going to hell and they're half dead and they don't know it. And they said, you say, hi, Tom. Hi, Betty. Hi, Joe. And you walk on by without giving them the gospel of life. And I was under such conviction that day, Lord, and it changed my life. Thank you for the word of God speaking to me and helping me and changing me. I pray the word of God will change each and every one of us that we can reach others and help others. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the faithful. Thank you for the word, the spirit, the song. Thank you, Lord God, for everything you've given us. We are, we are unworthy and yet you call us worthy, you love us, would you please send us forth with your spirit and your power to not be like the priest or the Levite, but to be like this good Samaritan and to help people when they need it. Help them with the spiritual things of God. And we pray all this in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for coming tonight.